Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought. This is the podcast that's on a mission to equip you all with the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. You pick and choose what you consume, what you listen to and apply it in a way that works for you because we are all unique. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, Sunday Times best-selling author and founder of the Harley Street Clinic Retrition and of course the evidence-based supplements company Retrition Plus. In each of these episodes, we have incredible guests who are at the forefront of their fields, who will be giving us the trusted advice, that's what we all need, and answering your burning questions, which, let's be honest, in nutrition, the questions seem to be never-ending these days. Now, this series combines some of the many highlights over the years, and I hope will continue to support your nutrition and well-being. Adding and not eliminating food is a message that we talk about a lot on the nutrition platforms because food is key to a healthy diet, but concerningly more and more people are opting for cutting out food groups. And often this does go back to, I guess, body fat loss, weight, aesthetic goals. But the reality, however, can be the opposite of your desires and it can lead to more serious consequences. We see this a lot in the nutrition clinic. So this week's Food for Thought deep dives into the endless benefits that food groups can have. Of course, it will discuss the why behind the misconceptions that have emerged and the urge to basically understand why no food items should be shamed. So enjoy this episode. We've selected some fabulous guests to discuss all of these key ingredients within our diet. Wendy Hall, registered nutritionist, and I discussed that fat will not make you fat. Now, she's one of the leading researchers in this area and has dedicated a lot of her life to research here, such as energy intake, controlling the calories there. What about saturated fat? What are the good fats within the diet? This is the conversation to definitely get to the bottom of all things fat. I think we should start by inviting everyone listening to understand I think exactly what fats are, what they're made up of, um, because I think it's quite hard to understand, you know, and implement behaviour changes if you don't really understand what different types are. Um, so fats are a macronutrient and they provide energy in the diet, um, same as protein and carbohydrate. They are um, different to protein and carbohydrate in that they are actually contain more energy um, per gram. Um, so they have nine calories per gram, whereas protein and carbohydrate are four calories per gram. 
Um, but it's a general term to cover basically fatty acids and the main form that they're found in the diet in the form of triglycerides. And ju- that just means the tri means that there's three fatty acids mm. and they are bound to a glycerol uh, molecule. And that's the main form that they're found in in the food and also the main form in which they're stored in the body. I often get asked about fats in people's diets, but it's actually important to have some, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people under the misconception that they just have to cut it all out completely. It's just, I'm going to use the word bad, and I don't like describing foods as good or bad, but there's a misconception fats are bad. Yes, I mean, it's it's not a very helpful way to think about food or the, the nutrients in our diet. And um, We do need fat in the diet. It's very important for many functions in the body, um, most importantly as an energy source and so that we can actually store the energy for when we need it. Um, and it insulates the organs mm-hmm. and um, helps with temperature regulation. And then the individual fatty, has, fatty acids can have specific important functions in the body as well. Yeah. So um, we also need fat in the diet to help absorb certain nutrients we need, such as fat-soluble vitamins. Yeah, A, D, E and K. That's right, yeah. In my head, like a <laughs> <laughs> some remembered. kind of poem. <laughs> yes. I mean, and that, that's so many functions that I think people just don't really they don't really think about do they because these and then you've got let's start with essential fatty acids so what are they and why do we need them so essential fatty acids are called essential because we can't synthesize them in our own bodies so we have to get them from the diet Mm. and they're essential because if we don't get them from the diet then we can become deficient in those fatty acids which could eventually cause um, symptoms Um, such as um, poor skin health or hair falling out or very rarely worse symptoms. Um, In in actual fact, you know, it's very rare to actually have essential fatty acid deficiency. That's good to Um, know. (laughs) But the two fatty acids that are essential are linoleic acid, which is an omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acid, and also um, alpha-linolenic acid, which is an omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acid. Mm. So um, we shouldn't really shy away from um, foods that we know are rich in fat that are whole foods such as nuts or avocados or seeds. And we should be looking to make our cooking, including our cooking, um, healthy um, seed oil, seed oils like rapeseed oil, for example, or olive oil, mm. um, because that makes the food nicer and more palatable. And that's what it's all about, really, isn't it? Enjoying our food. I love that you said that, <laughs> 100%. So is saturated fat, now this is the very confusing bit at the moment in the media, is it bad for us? Well, the overwhelming evidence is we need to limit the intake of saturated fats. So we're talking about saturated fats, we're talking about foods that have a mixture of saturated fatty acids in them and they all have a different profile. But because we can't know exactly what, how much of each saturated fatty acid is in different foods, we talk about foods high in saturated fats. So these are meats, um, meats that have got the fat on. Um, dairy is high in saturated fat. And, um, and then we've got the whole what forms a big proportion of a lot of people's intake of saturated fat um, is uh, processed 
cereal-based foods, so things like cakes, biscuits, mm. pastry. All the lovely, um, tasty things. Yes, those sort of things. <laughs> and, of course, those things don't have an awful lot else going for them in terms of they're not nutrient-dense and they, they rarely are a source of fibre. Mm. Um, so um, probably... In terms of limiting saturated fats, those would be the main targets to look at um, and replacing those foods with healthier alternatives. Um, we can also look at meat and look at um, having leaner cuts of meat and, and go for lean types of meat. What about protein? Are we getting enough? Anita Bean, registered nutritionist, and I discuss the increase in popularity of protein, why it seems to be hailed as such a guru for everybody really in terms of what you should be getting within your diet and what about plant-based proteins and the building blocks of it this is the conversation to learn more if we start with the fact that in every supermarket today it's clear that people seem to regard protein as some kind of a universal elixir and food companies are now adding it to literally everything why do you think there's such an obsession at the moment with the term or added protein. You're absolutely right. Protein is everywhere. And I think people have now become obsessed with it. Because the mm. fact is that nobody is actually short of protein. We know that the average person actually exceeds their protein requirements. Uh, the reason why it's being added to so many foods is simply a marketing ploy. But mm. it does appeal to people because most people perceive protein as something that will aid their weight loss efforts so mm -hmm. they believe that it helps them to feel fuller for longer and therefore improves mm. satiety and the second reason is that protein they believe that eating extra protein will improve their fitness gains will help to make them stronger make them leaner and make them fitter yeah but the truth is that there is actually very little evidence that we need such large amounts of protein. So, of course, we need a certain amount of protein mm. to fulfil all of the body's requirements and to aid recovery after exercise. But having excessive protein won't give you bigger gains. It mm. certainly won't speed weight loss. Mm. There's no evidence that that's the case. Mm. And it certainly won't increase your strength gains. It won't increase your recovery once you've had enough. So by having added protein, all you're doing really is just essentially you're wasting your money yeah. because you can get enough protein from your food. Okay, so for those people who have removed meat from their diet or have taken it out now to lead a more plant-based lifestyle, how do you recommend finding a balance between understanding the right combinations of protein and food? Because of course you can get incomplete proteins these days. Do you want to break yeah. that down for us? Yes, everyone? of course. I mean, one of the big mistakes that I do see with people cutting out meat is that they fail to replace that with any other protein sources so mm. we you know it's all very well perhaps having avocado on toast but there's very little protein in those you do need to add protein to your meals to substitute for for meat if you've chosen yes. to cut down or to cut it I'm out i'm so glad you used the example of avocado on toast <laughs> because i see it everywhere and i just add some edamame beans or seeds just something with protein yeah. to that dish okay so um yes it's perfectly possible to get more than enough protein on a vegetarian or vegan diet mm. So the key thing is to replace um, the protein.
protein in meat with a plant source. And the main, the most important thing to remember when you cut down on meat is to consume a variety of plant protein sources. Mm. That's the key thing. So we're talking about beans, lentils, chickpeas, hummus. We're talking about soya, soya milk, soy tofu, products, tofu, tempeh. nuts and yeah. seeds and whole grains. So yeah. all of that, there's a whole, there's a long, long list of foods that you can oh, have. And I would always recommend that people have at least one, but ideally two different plant proteins at each meal. So, mm. for example, if you're having, um, say, stir-fried veg with tofu, well, make sure that you're adding a grain to that as well. It could be mm. noodles, it could mm. be rice. So you're having more than one type of protein. I think the classic example I like to use a lot is rice has something that beans doesn't have and beans have something that mm. rice don't have. Put them together bingo you've got a complete protein so let's break down you've mentioned amino acids so what are the building blocks of protein and the amino acid pool oh right okay mm. well yes amino acids as you rightly said are the building blocks of protein so when you consume protein as food the body breaks it down into its constituent yes. amino acids they're then yes. absorbed into the body they're rebuilt into new proteins according to the body's requirements so it's a kind of a remodeling exercise mm -hmm. and it's actually continuous so even though you've got protein in your muscle but all the time it's being broken down on a day-to-day -day basis well, they make and enzymes, also during don't exercise they? and tissues and like we said earlier so many things it's not just about building muscle you yes. just said it's breaking it down constantly yes exactly so we do have a requirement i suppose the requirement strictly speaking is more for amino acids rather than protein interesting yes um, yeah. and as i said we do need to have a regular supply on a daily basis mm. we've got a small what we call a pool of amino acids it's mm. not i'm not talking about a pond or a lake <laughs> or anything like that no swimming pool it's here it's the <laughs> circulating levels of amino acids it's mm. in your bloodstream and also in the digestive tract so it means that if one meal so let's say you had avocado on toast yes. for your breakfast you are not suddenly going to be losing muscle mass by lunchtime okay no. your body has got it's, it's a cushion yeah. if you like yeah. so you will you'll be absolutely fine you won't be breaking down protein the problem would arise if you had a low intake of protein across your breakfast whole your day. lunch yeah exactly mm. um, but the ideal if you want to optimize your muscle gains and optimize your workout gains it's better to have your protein equally distributed throughout the day so your breakfast yes. your lunch your dinner and yeah. ideally at, a little bit in your snacks one of our wonderful nutrition dietitians hala el shafi and i discussed the truth about carbs let's go there do we still really believe that cutting carbs is good for us? Let's discuss the impact of if we do this, the difference between, of course, white, brown, um, GI, sugars from carbohydrates versus fiber intake, everything we need to know all about carbohydrates. So what is a carb? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to start with the biochemistry. Yeah, okay. let's go So there. basically in um, simple terms, uh, we're going back now, um, it's actually a compound that's made up of carbohydrates, oxygen and hydrogen. But uh, to put it in um, sort of clear terms, we, I mean, carbohydrates are actually basically split into simple carbohydrates yeah. and complex carbohydrates, mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people will have heard about, but maybe they don't actually understand what that means. And in really simple terms, it's really how the body actually digests them okay. and actually how we, we use them. Mm. 
Yeah, no, very well explained. I think most people would think of simple as a piece of white bread or complex as a piece of brown bread. And carbs are such an important component of the diet. So let's talk through some of the reasons why today we are saying perhaps you actually need these carbohydrates. <laughs> well, you really do need carbohydrates. Um, and we are getting so many mis- mixed messages in the media about, well, we don't need carbohydrates. Um, and on a technicality... You could survive without carbohydrates. However, this is the preferred source of energy yeah. in the body. And also the the brain actually needs glucose, Okay, yeah. which is what um, carbohydrates are broken down into. Isn't 25% of our brain's energy, like that's fueled by glucose? Exactly right. And also... it. <laughs> It does affect our mood. Yes. You know, there are lots of different aspects here. And my biggest concern is once we break down foods into nutrients, we don't go into the supermarket buying nutrients. No. <laughs> or we don't order nutrients in a restaurant. That's it's food. such a good analogy. Think about it. Yeah. So when you actually break it down like that, it starts to become a nonsense because yeah. it actually is a nonsense. But that nonsense is causing serious issues for many many people because of the lack of understanding and also a lot of it comes from the gut which links back to things like how healthy is your gut um, carbohydrates contribute to that but what impact Hala could cutting carbs have on someone what are the kind of signs that people tend to see I think the most obvious um, sign is poor energy levels mm. so you know irritability you hear the term <laughs> hangry and it, do- it does affect your mood um, because it's directly affecting your blood sugars mm-hmm. and once your blood sugars are not no longer stable that has a direct effect. Now, a lot of people assume, well, I don't have the willpower and so on and so forth, but it's actually not about that. It's about the physiological effect that it has on the body. I think actually, let's start with then why... I mean, I see people in my clinic that are scared of white carbs. Do you want to just explain? I know we touched on the beginning. What is the difference between white and brown carbs. (laughs) Okay, so basically what we're talking is simple carbohydrates, okay? Now, um, if we actually break down, um, going back to the biochemistry of what carbohydrates are, they're actually broken down into monosaccharides, Mm -hmm. um, which is the simplest form, and actually that's how the gut actually absorbs um, the carbohydrates that you eat. Um, The the next category is disaccharides, which is two of them added together. So so mono, one, one, di. (laughs) And then we go to oli, um, which is a few, and poly, which which is lots. Yes, exactly. So it's, <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's, that's taking actually, me back to uni there. <laughs> you and me both. So the, the factor here is that anything that we eat, if they're um, dye, um, or oli, or polysaccharides, mm. they have to be broken down into monosaccharides. Now, polysaccharides, which is fiber, which cannot be broken down. Okay, so that then means that there is a direct effect on your blood sugar or not, as the case may be. <sighs> Okay, so it does affect our blood sugars and that's why it's important. So going back to white bread, Mm. it is a simple sugar. It's broken down into simple sugar and it does have a direct effect on your energy levels and stabilising those. Excellent. But it doesn't mean, of course, that there's a good or a bad food because, of course, they have a place. I don't use that terminology Mm. um, and I focus on re-educating clients and patients on that because that has such a negative connotation with regards to your relationship with food. There is no such thing as a good or bad food. Um, This is not um, 
a wrong or right situation. It's about the balance of our, our diet. Exactly. I completely agree. And you've mentioned blood sugar a lot. So a term I think people will have heard a lot of is a GI or the glycemic mm-hmm. index. But I'm not sure everyone knows exactly what that means. So should people be focusing on the GI of their food? Only if you're working with a registered nutritionist or a registered dietitian. And I'll explain the reason why. On its own, you will get yourself into trouble. And I'll yes. explain to you why. So <laughs> just just to throw it out there, for example, um, watermelon has mm. a higher GI um, than chocolate cake. Oh, my goodness. Right. There you so, go. <laughs> so there you go. So you yeah. could get yourself into a lot of hot water and into a bit of a mess if you're just doing that. So it's really in context. And it's really about the balance of your whole diet and not just in one day because we can't get everything that we need in just one day, one meal. Because think low GI is good for them. But like you just said, chocolate cake is lower than watermelon. Yeah, so it genuinely exactly. doesn't work. Yeah. So I won't labour on too much um, on that. But with regards to free sugars, specifically, there is no nutritional benefit. However, there is still a place for it. That's fine too. Yeah. But what we're wanting to see much more of is an increase in fibre, which we have a significant reduction of. If you look at the national statistics at the moment with regards to fibre, it is so low. Yeah. Now that has a knock-on effect on gut health and also heart health as well. So you cut out carbohydrates in your diet, you're also cutting out pretty much one of the key aspects of the diet, which is protective for your overall health. I think um, let's round off with how people should think about incorporating carbs into their diets. So what are the main tips? You've mentioned the two cues, the quality and quantity. What would you advise the listeners? So basically, it's, it's all about balance and variety. Now, the biggest um, issue with regards to carbohydrates that people tend to um, get skewed is, is is the quantity. Yes. Okay. And that doesn't mean that you can't have a bowl of pasta at all. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. But it's really about looking at your diet overall and looking at the amount. So in basic terms, if you were to split a plate, okay, mm-hmm. in half, half that plate should be um, salad vegetables and vegetables and the other half of the, uh, the plate should be split in two. Now this is if you're looking at weight management, yeah. right? And, um, and then the other half, so a quarter of that, we're looking at protein and the other quarter we're looking at complex carbohydrates mm-hmm. ideally now that's a very simplistic view everybody will be different and some people plate. exactly some people will require more and you, and other people will require more complex carbohydrates yeah. in there as well um, and this is what i'm saying there is no one size fits all i cannot stress this enough Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now, how to break sugar addiction. Dr. Kortha Hashim and I discuss, is this actually a thing? Is there such a thing as sugar addiction? What about natural sugars, free sugars? What, what do we do here? How do we decipher this changing sugar levels? And of course, what about artificial sweeteners? This is a conversation to bust all of those misconceptions about sugar. We have got a lot of different things to cover. And I think eating sugary foods can become so ingrained in our lifestyles. And I'd like to ask you, because this is your field, just how much of a problem has it become? I mean, it's only because we have a revised recommendation to reduce levels of sugar compared to, say, 10 years ago. Mm. The evidence has grown and now we know the impact of sugar more on our health mm. and therefore we need to be reducing it. And I don't think it's easy to see people just telling people to reduce it, that it will work. Mm. It's more about what else is contributing to people having excess sugar intake. So yeah. many factors. No, well, there are. There are so many factors. And I think we should probably start by explaining what even is sugar? I think it's quite a confusing topic. I mean, could we start with maybe saying what it is and if natural is different, natural sugars, you know, that kind of thing? Essentially, all sugar is natural. Mm. We don't really have a type of sugar that is made in a lab okay. like you would have for sweeteners. Um, so all sugar um, is natural. Um, essentially, table sugar is made from uh, sugar beet or sugar cane. Sugar mm. beet is a type of, you know, root vegetable. Yeah. Um, and sugar cane is a type of grass. It's interesting um, you say that because when I was in Barbados on holiday last year, I think that's one of their biggest um, uh, farming kind of agricultural profit for the country. It's yeah. sugar cane. And actually, probably like 150 countries around the world depend mm. on uh, sugar production. And it's about how those countries could change their produ production to be um, for, you know, healthier crops. Um, but it's been dependent on for such a long time mm. that it contributes to many economies around the world. Mm. Um, and it's also looking at factors that, you know, as far as that, how could we change it? Um, so, yes, yeah, so all sugar is natural. However... Um, There's a depends. however, always. I mean, are we talk, when you say natural, do you mean like a simple kind of sugar molecule? Like, is, is sucrose different to the sugar cane and beet? So sucrose will be um, t essentially table sugar. It will be what would be derived from sugar cane and sugar beet. Mm. Um, what we do have alternatives, for example, when you have concentrated apple juice, mm. um, which is added sometimes as an ingredient, yeah. um, that is predominantly probably fructose. And yeah. so it's processed slightly differently in the body. Um, um, so that's different. But if we're talking about free sugar, so this yes. is the definition okay, that yeah. we're using. Go for it, tell me. Um, so free sugars is a type of... Um, it's it's kind of the new definition we're we're using, but and and saying the word free doesn't mean that they're free of anything. <laughs> um, it's just that they're free, perhaps in 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 those products to mm. um, potentially be quite concentrated and do contribute to some sort of damage if they're consumed in excess. And so within this definition, we're looking at all the sugars in in honey, 
in all types of syrups, even the so-called healthier syrups, mm. like looking at agave we'll syrup and yeah. so forth, um, but also, you know, what you would know as table sugar um, and also um, what is concentrated from any fruit. Mm. Um, so fruit juice also contributes to that. So obviously that's what we're looking at. We know that there's an excess. We know what we need to be looking for. But what about, this is very confusing for people as well, is of course glucose or carbs are effectively sugar, aren't they? Vegetables are effectively full of sugar, so are fruit. So why are people worried about this? Why do we need to be aware of these types of sugars as well? I think people shouldn't be worried about the sugar and fruit because mm. um, there are many other benefits to having whole fruit, mm. fibre, vitamins, minerals um, and many other um nutrients that are essential um so we shouldn't be worried about that at all um what we should be worried about is the main sources of sugar in our diet and the main sources generally are going to be soft drinks fizzy drinks Mm. particularly in teenagers diets in the uk but if i can bring it back to fruit because people always ask me and they always say they are saying but i'm scared of fruit I'm scared yeah. of it. What, why? Because people tell me in the headlines in the newspaper that fruit is just as bad as having X amount, like we said at the beginning, these sugar cubes. People make comparisons between a pear perhaps having like seven sugar cubes. Can you explain why that's not the case and why fructose might be different to sucrose? So fructose will be processed differently, but mm. when it's concentrated, there is growing evidence around it might have um contributing to fatty liver disease because it's mainly processed there Mm. um so when you're looking at you know drinking cartons and cartons of uh, fruit juice yeah when you know that doesn't we've got a recommendation to only stick to 150 mils and i this is a bit of a bugbear for me because you can't (laughs) even find 150 mils little carton in the supermarket no um so it's a very small amount wow and that is what the recommendation is right now. Um, but we can't easily find those products. And actually, people have no idea how much that is. Now, I do a lot of corporate talks in offices. And people always tell me about their sugar highs and their sugar crashes. And what, what, what is meant by that? If you could just explain to people about the whole blood sugar roller coaster thing. So if we're going to have a, you know, a chocolate bar or a fizzy drink or an energy drink, you're essentially having a high increase in blood sugar levels Mm. or glucose levels um, and what ends up happening that increase the body needs to regulate it Mm. Um, so it can't leave you with such high levels of sugar because it's not healthy and particularly with people with pre-diabetes or have diabetes that can actually be quite dangerous Mm. Um, so the body regulates it um, and releases insulin Mm. and by releasing insulin um, it then, you know, triggers different organs in the body, different cells in the body to either use it up or um, to store it. Yes. Um, so we're looking at, you know, brain cells. Maybe that's why you feel instantly a bit more alert after mm. having sugar, but then it crashes quickly because your body wants to regulate it and maintain, um, you know, a suitable level of, of sugar. Which is why you get that crash, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and sometimes... And then you want to reach for something else to just get that high again. I see a lot of people like that. Exactly. And I think what's important is to talk about, you know, the foods that can keep you fuller for longer and has that slow 
compatible with mm. your body release of glucose yeah. um not to have those you know increases and then um, 100% and those for anyone listening in that kind of situation those are fiber rich items looking at more complex carbohydrates eating your fruit rather than drinking it like we've discussed yeah. so I'm a big fan of everything in moderation of course I think sugar does have a place but of course not as much as maybe most people are having so can you suggest any swaps that children could have perhaps instead of sweets or or fizzy drinks what kind of things would you tell somebody or anyone listening to go for so if we're looking at let's assume that young children that are having already used to having fruit juice i would encourage um, parents to gradually dilute it just with water that's a good idea um if you're an older uh, like a teenager encourage them to add perhaps sparkling water oh i love sparkling. um so <laughs> yeah that reduces the sugar content of that drink um you could opt for the diet options um again I, th- I am constantly asked about whether they are actually better. Sweeteners. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go there. But this will be something everyone's thinking, oh, but diet things contain sweeteners. Yeah. What's the view on that? So I think it's not it's unhelpful to group all sweeteners together mm. because some have been in our diets for about 30 years mm. and some in the last two years. Mm. Some have been historically or, you know, like stevia, it was a plant used in South America and people have always had it in their diet. We've then taken it, found the actual chemical that makes that sweetness and produced it in labs and added it to products. Which is 10 times sweeter than an average, yeah. isn't it, the stadium um, one? So it, unless we have studies that specifically looked at the long-term impact and we don't necessarily have those types of studies yet, mm. we can't just you know, paint them with the same brush mm. and say they're all damaging to health. What is actually the stronger evidence is around sugar and sugar is, you know, unhealthy and it's it's proven and we've got strong evidence behind it. We don't necessarily have that evidence when it comes to sweeteners. Okay. I'm not saying I'm a huge advocate for sweeteners. Mm. But I'm saying if you're a person that's used to having fizzy drink, it's a good starting point. It's a short term solution. Thank you to all of our amazing experts for coming on the podcast. If you're enjoying Food for Thought, you're going to love what's coming up next. So if you don't subscribe, make sure you do. It's the way that it just pops up on your phone. You get a notification and you'll be the first to hear it each Monday. It would also be amazing if you are a fan of Food for Thought that you could kindly leave us a review. These reviews do actually make a huge difference and they can help us, of course, reach more people and get the information out there to those that need it the most. If you're looking, of course, as well, for more information about perhaps my latest book, Deliciously Healthy Pregnancy, uh, the Retrition Clinic for one-to-one nutrition advice and healthy recipes, then just head on over to retrition.com where everything's there in one place. We also have some fabulous evidence-based blogs that are updated weekly, and you can also subscribe to our newsletter, which comes out every Tuesday morning. Now, of course, Retrition Plus is now here, so for evidence-based supplements that you can actually trust, hooray! took me long enough but it's finally there you can go and check out retritionplus.com and of course please do follow me on all social channels at retrition and at retrition plus imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.